Well, the scripture I'd like to share with you this morning, we can read this together, is uh, from the book of John, chapter 3. We're going to read from verse 1 all the way through verse 21. If you have your Bible with you, if you want to grab a pew Bible in front of you, this is the same version as uh, those red Bibles in the pews, if you want to follow along. This is uh, Nicodemus, a Pharisee, visiting with Jesus at night, and we'll talk more about that later. Hear the word of the Lord. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, how can anyone be born after growing old? Can, can one enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Those who believe in Him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, it's pretty easy to miss the significance of this meeting between Jesus, whom people were beginning to identify or say was the Messiah, or at least the potential Messiah, and Nicodemus, who was a very well-respected Pharisee and teacher of Jewish law. Most, if not all, of the other Pharisees and the Sadducees were really on edge about Jesus and what He was doing, what He was talking about. And they were watching Him very closely as he carried out his ministry and were re really feeling threatened by him. But somehow, not Nicodemus. Not this man. 
Somehow he's compelled by Jesus. He's drawn to Him. Something stirring within his heart, giving him the courage to arrange this meeting. It was Nicodemus who wanted to meet with Jesus. Albeit at night, which who knows what the real motives were, but he decided to meet with Jesus at night, maybe because of the fear of being associated with this man who was considered to be a heretic. Someone who was saying blasphemous things. Maybe Nicodemus would be afraid of associating with Jesus. But Jesus and Nicodemus cover some pretty heavy and important topics. They talk about the new birth, the kingdom of God, Jesus as the light and the light of the world and the love of God embodied in this world. And they talk about eternal life, some pretty some pretty heavy and yet important topics. Both these two men were pretty qualified to talk about them and they're discussing some of their differences. All very important topics then and also now. But it's important to point out that Jesus isn't referring to baptism as we refer to it today, as we practice baptism. Jesus is saying that to enter into the kingdom of heaven, we must be born again. In order to enter into the kingdom of heaven, we have to let go of something within us, something within us that keeps us from seeing our lives and the world through God's eyes. I don't know about you, but when I was six months old, I wasn't, able of, I wasn't capable of letting go of something within me that was keeping me from seeing the world from, through God's eyes. You see, this is what Jesus is talking about as being really self-aware and identifying what are those things in my life, in my heart, maybe that nobody knows about, and how can I say no to those things and let go of them so that I can embrace more of Jesus and the life that He offers. I couldn't do that when I was a baby or not even a teenager. <laughs> And if you could, then praise God for that. But what Jesus is talking about is a new birth. So for the new birth to come, something within us must be let go of. There's a posture of surrender. A posture of trust in Jesus. The process of becoming the person who God made us to be. Which is a lifelong journey, friends. Living under God's rule. That's what it means to be in in the kingdom of God. Living under God's rule empowered by the Holy Spirit, receiving wisdom and direction from Jesus, sensing, beginning to sense the ways that God is working in and all around us. All of this, this is the good news, that all of this is a free gift of grace that we get to live into before we stop sinning. It's not like we have to clean ourselves up. I, I worked with a mechanic on the golf course uh, back in Lake City and I tried to invite him to church as I got excited about faith. I said, Come to the church. You know, you can sit with me and, you know, it's a really great place. And he said the, the classic line, maybe someone in your life has said this, oh, that roof ain't strong enough for me to come in there. <laughs> he thought that he had to clean up his life. He had to turn from his alcoholism and all the rough edges that he had, which he had a lot. He thought that he had to clean himself up before he could possibly receive the love and grace that Jesus have to off- has to offer. And that, friends, is tragic. The new birth is about receiving even more of God's love than we have before. Seeing God's hand working in our lives and letting go and letting go of the power that we have that we think we have in our life and our fears and trusting in the enduring love of God. This is the climax within the text. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son He sent His one and only Son 
so that everyone who believes in Him may not perish, but may have eternal life. This is this kind of mountaintop realization that God loves me. Yes, even me, even in the state that I'm in, God died for me, which is a hard thing for us to accept. But it's an enlightening moment that maybe you've had at certain times in your life. Many people come away from the Walk to Emmaus retreat with this just kind of new birth kind of experience of realizing that God loves me just for who I am and pouring out grace upon grace into my life. And I don't have to strive for it. I don't have to earn it. It's just been there all along. God has been working in my life all along. Or maybe when you go on a mission trip and you see all the ways that you've been blessed, especially in contrast or comparison to people who are way less fortunate. That can be another kind of enlightening moment where you just feel this kind of new birth sort of experience where it actually becomes easier to let things go and to turn more fully into the embrace of Jesus. But here's the reality check that Jesus Himself provides. This is what He means by judgment. He, he says this, uh, this is the judgment. After he, he proclaims the good news, He says this is the judgment. And not saying you're going to be judged, but He's more saying this is the assessment of reality. This is the truth. This is how things really are. This good news is available. Then He says this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. They don't come to the light because they don't want their deeds to be exposed. Jesus makes it clear that the gift of new life, the gift of kingdom living, the path to eternal life is available, but the fear of being exposed keeps people from receiving it and living into it. Now we see that this is similar. This is a similar uh, kind of statement to what Adam and Eve experienced. That the fear of being punished by God or being judged by God actually kept them from just turning back to God and saying, hey, I'm sorry. Messed up. You know what? You did make me to be human, so I, I, I messed up. No, they hid from God. And then, because of their fear, they started to blame one another. Sinning even more. Making it worse. They didn't want to be exposed. Similar to Nicodemus. He doesn't want to be exposed. He doesn't necessarily want to have anything revealed about maybe his misplaced loves. Maybe loving the law more than God Himself. But there's also fears. Fear, uh, a fear of being exposed for us could be a fear of shame. A fear of rejection. What will happen if I let go? A fear of loss of control. A loss of power. A fear of change. A fear of uncertainty. Who's not afraid of that? Fear of being wrong. A fear of being judged. All these things are what keep us from stepping more fully into the light of Christ. And maybe you've identified one of your own. The hard part is that most of us have a fear of being judged or rejected or abandoned or whatever because we've probably experienced that at some point in our lives. Maybe as a young child, just mistakenly by a parent who was having a tough day. <laughs> but maybe painfully judged or rejected by someone within the church. 
And you say, well, I'm not going to be vulnerable with them. I'm not going to step into the light with them and say these things out loud that are so hard to say because I don't trust that they're going to love me in return. And so instead, we hide in the darkness of our lives and risk, and we don't want to risk being exposed. The new birth is available, friends. It's available all throughout our lives. We call it also regeneration because it doesn't just have to happen once. Like, I gave my life to Jesus and therefore I, I never have to go through any kind of transformational season again in my life. No, this is a, we enter into many different seasons of this kind of regeneration, of being reborn. The new birth is available and the freedom that Christ brings is available to us, but in order to live into it, we have to risk being or feeling exposed. We have to take that risk. We have to be vulnerable. Maybe just with ourselves to start and say, what's really happening within our hearts? Why is that part of me there? Why do I respond this way or react this way? We have to be vulnerable enough to turn, to, turn towards Christ, the light of the world, and allow the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to show us what we need to let go of. That's what the season of Lent is all about. Letting go of our temptations. Letting go of our fears. Those sins in our life. Sins of omission or sins of commission, which are things that we do that we know we really shouldn't do. But there are also friends, I'm guessing that this probably applies more to, to our church, sins of, of omission. Things that we know we should do, but we don't. When we can see a need in the world, but we say, well... I'll let somebody else do that. We see a need within our church and we say, well, we'll let the more wealthy people handle the finances. Or we'll let the people with more time on their hands or the young people, we'll let them do, the, do all the tasks within the church. We'll let somebody else do that. Is that a sin? You tell me. <laughs> Sins of omission are things that we don't do because of our own self-interest or having some sort of opinion or judgment of somebody else. And during the season of Lent, we can let go of those things. We can let go of our sense of power and control. We can let go of our understanding of life and say we want more of Jesus, which is a vulnerable space to be in. Because it requires that we say maybe we haven't had it all together. Maybe we've made some mistakes. Maybe we've had sort of a selfish disposition towards our life. And friends, if we can't say those things at least to ourselves within this space, then what can we do? Why do we gather? Why do we believe that Jesus forgives our sins if we're afraid to say them out loud? Just ask Him. As we become honest about our sinful nature, which is what the Lectio Divina text was all about, is becoming honest about our sinful nature and that yes, it does come out. Or in Romans 3, uh, Paul says, all have sinned. All people have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. As we become honest about our sinful nature, we can experience the freedom of letting go of those things that are keeping us hostage. That are keeping us from experiencing the love of Christ within our brokenness. To be able to say, yes, we are broken and we fall short and we struggle, but God still loves us even when we say those things out loud. The most transformational moments in my life is when I've been given the gift of courage by God, by the Holy Spirit, to actually say 
the things that <laughs> say the things out loud that I don't want to say about myself. I don't want to admit certain things about what's happening within my heart. I don't want to tell anybody about the habits or uh, focus that I have in life. Uh, those things that I'm not proud of. I don't want to tell anybody about that. I don't even want to journal it. Who wants to? Nobody. But I'm telling you that as soon as I start to get honest with myself, first, I, journal, I guess a lot of guys don't journal, okay? Don't freak out, guys. Scott, don't freak out. <laughs> you don't have to journal. But journaling helps me get honest about what's happening in my heart about the way I'm living my life, and then I can start to, to receive the courage from God to actually say it out loud to another person. And if we say it out loud to another person, if we're honest about those things in our life and, and like bring them to the light, that's when change happens. That's when transformation happens. And again, going back to this, these other texts, if we say that, well, no, I don't sin, well, we're deceiving ourselves. We're not being honest with ourselves. And we're, never, we're not expected to be sinless. We're just expected by God to turn within our sin and say, God, I need You. I need more of You. I, I can't do this on my own. I can't. It's too hard. This world is, is too much of a fallen place. I'm too much of a fallen person. So I need You, Jesus. And that's what Lent is. Lent is a time of being honest about our fears, about our sins, about our temptations, and our misaligned priorities. Lent is a time where we learn to say the Lord's Prayer with increasing integrity. With integrity, really meaning it. You know, we can't just go from not meaning it to all of a sudden meaning it with our whole heart. It's just a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Remember, thy kingdom come. The kingdom of God. God, more of your kingdom in my life. Your will be done. That's a hard prayer. That's a really hard prayer to say with integrity. If we really think about it. Give us today our daily bread. Well, every time I go to the grocery store, I get as much as I want <laughs> for a couple weeks and then some, you know. <laughs> or Sam's Club or whatever, you know. Lent is this time of being honest about our fears and our sins, our temptations, our misaligned priorities and Learning to say the Lord's Prayer with increasing integrity. So friends, today I want to ask you, what in your life are you afraid of having exposed? You don't have to say it out loud. You can just tell me in the line afterwards. Just kidding. Just kidding. Relax. <laughs> Relax. What, are you, what in your life are you afraid of having exposed? That, oh, if people knew this about me, I'm not so sure they would look at me the same way. I'm not so sure they would admire me. I'm not so sure they would trust me in the same way. I'm not so sure they would want to spend time with me. I'm, I'm definitely not so sure that they would still love me. What are you afraid of having exposed? Maybe it's, I have doubts about my faith. I, I do, I have doubts. I wonder, you know, What's up with the dinosaurs? Why, don't the, why doesn't the Bible talk about the dinosaurs? How come people are 900 years old in the Old Testament? It's okay to say those things. Some people don't want that exposed. I No, no, I don't have any doubts. I watch stuff that I know I shouldn't watch. 
It's not very Christ-like. I don't, I don't want anybody to know that. I don't have it all together. It's probably a pretty common one. I don't have it all together. What would happen if people knew that I didn't have it all together? What? You mean during this pandemic era and wars? What do you mean you don't have it all together? Are you kidding? Can't be your friend anymore, Deb. <laughs> I can say that to Deb. Okay? <laughs> I can say that to her. I say stuff that I know I shouldn't say. And I just I keep doing it. I say stuff that I know I shouldn't say about myself or about other people, about my enemy, my enemies. I have one or a couple too many drinks. What if somebody knew that about me? What, what then? Maybe it's I'm scared. I don't want anybody to know that I'm scared. I'm overwhelmed. I'm freaking out here. Don't let anybody know that. This is just some examples. I mean, what is it that in your life that you're scared of having exposed? Nicodemus, we don't know what happened with Nicodemus. I like this show, Gina and I like the show called The Chosen, and it's a, uh, it's a TV show that's all about the uh, portrayal of the Gospels, basically. And they show this uh, meeting with Jesus and Nicodemus, and then later Nicodemus is wanting to follow Jesus, and he's standing kind of hidden behind the corner of a building as Jesus and his disciples are getting ready to go out on mission, and he's sobbing. Like he wants so badly, he feels so compelled by Jesus to just give everything for him, just to risk his reputation, his status, his prestige, his wealth, everything that makes him feel safe and secure. He wants to give everything to Jesus because Jesus is that compelling. Jesus is that full of light. But he's, he's standing in the shadows sobbing because he's too afraid to do it. And that, we don't find that in the Bible, but we do find a contrast this is powerful if you read bigger sections of the Bible. We find a contrast with John the Baptist. Later, John the Baptist, he, he says there's all kinds of things about Jesus that he doesn't understand, but he knows one thing, one thing very well, that Jesus is the Messiah and John the Baptist is not. And he says out loud, He must increase in my life and I must decrease. I must decrease. All of my fears, all of the things that I cling to that help me to feel safe and secure or to feel powerful or to feel like I've got an upper hand on life, all of those things have to decrease. And the reason why is because in Christ there is freedom. In Christ there is true belonging and connection with God and with one another. When we're just honest about ourselves and say, God, I need more and more of You. Freedom comes through stepping out of those dark places and stepping into the light, friends. That's what we celebrate at Easter is stepping into the light. Stepping into the loving embrace of Jesus who is the light of the world. The hope and transformational power of the resurrection that we experience at Easter begins now. It begins now with stepping into the risk of being exposed. So friends, I pray that we could have, each of us, the courage to be honest with ourselves. 
not to beat ourselves up or not to leave here feeling bad about ourselves, but to just say, yeah, well, of course I sin. I'm human. But I'm going to just continue to bring those things to Christ every time I recognize them and experience the freedom that He offers us. Amen.